guys, how are you doing? It has been a long, long time. I'm literally dusting off the microphone because it's been forever. But thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm really excited for this episode. It's been a long time coming. We have Brie Hearn on the show today. Now, I'll explain a little bit more about who she is and her relevance to the episode, but I wanted to let you know what the episode's actually going to be about. First off, it's going to be so wild. We're going to be talking about all the inside secrets about what the most successful students do in terms of, you know, their organization and building strong relationships, forming great habits, time management, planning, looking after your mental health, physical health, etc. We cover all of our bases today, which is awesome. I can't wait to get started, but just before we do, I wanted to let you know that make sure you're following us on Instagram at allthingseducation21. All right, let's jump right into it. Okie dokie guys, so our guest on the show today is none other than Brie Hearn, who has a Masters in Teaching, is the Clinical Teaching Practice Coordinator, as well as a lecturer, doctoral student and mum of two. Brie teaches at the University of Melbourne and is going to share some amazing information on the show today, so get ready to be super motivated. So welcome Brie to the All Things Education podcast, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Mary. And thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. No, definitely. Always. It's been a long time coming this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump straight into it and talk about your story for a little bit. Could you give us, uh, I guess, a bit of a rundown about what you are currently a lecturer for and your general plans for the future? Sure. Yeah. So I lecture at Melbourne Graduate School of Education at the University of Melbourne, as you said. I teach in um, language and literacy um, predominantly, so I work in our Masters of Teaching and our Masters of Education, so I work with pre-service teachers and then also practising teachers as well. Um, I am involved in lots of professional development, professional learning with with, um, practising teachers, and so I do that with a variety of schools um, and a variety of um, settings both here in in Victoria and, and interstate as well. And I also have a role in placement. So I look after the clinical practice side of our early childhood and primary students. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, so cool. Um, So, you know, like you mentioned, and like I mentioned, you're at um, the University of Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So you must, I guess, see a lot of different uh, students at different levels um, and academic stages in their study lives. Mm -hmm. So what do you reckon are do you think the most successful students are doing in terms of their study life, especially, I guess, like their organisation skills and how they're forming habits and managing to keep on top of their studies while also balancing that and enjoying their social life? (laughs) Sure. So I suppose the most successful students, um, first of all, are the ones who show up and are really present with what they're doing. So um, and and by that I mean show up in person or online if that's the mode that they've chosen but more so I mean um, just be really um, mindful of where they are and what's needed um, in order to be successful in whatever that subject is so it's about being organized when they come to class it's about you know having time carved out to really focus on on what it is um, the, the other thing that really successful students do is they seem to have a good handle on management of, of their different, you know, demands. So when it comes to their academic life, things like um, 
their deadlines so they're good at backwards mapping you know they might look at all their their due dates where they have you know exams and assignments things like that due and then they look at their calendar and they sort of map backwards how long something's going to take they're good at prioritizing you know they're good at prioritizing what's due first and so you know even though that might not be what they want to work on um, they know that that's what needs to be handed in first so um, that's just a really kind of simple practice um, that we would always advocate. Um, the the most successful students schedule time in their calendars for every part of their university life. So not just their classes, but they block out time for their readings, for example. Um, in a course like ours, there's a lot of academic literature to wade through. And so um, I know that's the case with lots of our, lots, lots of students across schools and across universities. So they almost make appointments with themselves in their calendars for reading time, as well okay. as actually, you know, attending class, um, their lectures and their tutorials, um, and also, you know, working on, on assignments and sitting exams mm. physically. So those students who do really well make time for reading, but they also do something actively whilst they're reading. They don't rely on their memory just to hold all the information. They are taking notes or they've got you know, some kind of research software that they're using, um, you know, be it Zotero or Mendeley or even just their own, you know, practice where they're able to take notes whilst they're reading just to help, you know, secure that information and and really bridge that gap between knowledge and and understanding, I suppose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I suppose just around that is being intentional about your time. So, you know, university students are obviously juggling a lot of priorities. School students are the same. So as you said, you want to have a social life. You want to be able to, you know, have some downtime. You want to be able to, you know, fit in some, um, you know, whether you play a sport or you're into reality TV or whatever it is. So it's being able to be really mindful of where your energy is best to do the work that you need to get done so that you mm. can still, you know, make sure that you've got lots of fun in your life and lots of downtime because otherwise you just begin resenting you know um, the time that that your academic studies are swallowing up so I like to myself and I always advocate this for the students is that maybe on the weekend they plan out their most important tasks for the coming week okay Um, and then each evening they they plan out you know the three most important tasks for the next day so that way they're not getting overwhelmed and it's just a matter of okay I need to read these two articles and make notes on them I need to study for you know this body of literature for this exam and I need to speak to this lecturer you know so I need to make an appointment with this lecturer to speak about this for example and then that way when you get to the end of the day and you're able to cross them out there's a really you know really positive feeling and a sense of achievement and then you can reassess that evening what what looks you know achievable for the next day so they're just a few tips yeah for sure and I love that last one especially Brie because I guess it also gives a lot of mental clarity as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like I know for myself when I'm making to-do lists and crossing them off, it just feels like all of the little um, like micro things I need to do, the minor things, I'm kind of just getting rid of out of my head when I Mm -hmm. write them down as well. And yeah, and then crossing them off and physically like seeing they're completed is just such a satisfying thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's really alleviates that mental load and it also gives you some yes. confidence that you can keep going, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So that's really important. Yeah, the extra stimulation. Yeah, no, I love <laughs> it. And what about good relationships? How successful, like I guess how are successful students, sorry, achieving that? 
yeah, forming positive relationships is really important. I think it's something that we probably underrate, if I'm honest. Um, really, the, the, the most important thing that I would say is that you need to be a person at university and not just a name. So, you know, you're, and same as at school. So your teachers and your lecturers are seeing, you know, huge numbers of students on their list if they can put a face to your name and they can put a personality to your name, that is going to make your experience so much richer. So make sure you make an effort to introduce yourself, engage in class if you can, because what that means is when you do need some support, when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, maybe you're unwell, maybe something happens, you know, in your family life and you need some extra support, you're able to reach out and say, look, I'm really struggling with this, but they know you as a person. So they are more likely to see you as a person that then, you know, will require some support. They'll give you, you know, whatever services it is that you that you need to be directed to, but they'll understand that human aspect mm. rather than just a name on, on a piece of paper. So I think that's really important to just, they're human, you're human. So just show up, try and build those relationships with your teachers the other thing is build those relationships with your fellow students if you can. People who study online, I know, find this a bit of a challenge, but it really it, it is achievable. We've proven over the last two years that it is absolutely achievable. Yeah, for sure. Um, the idea is that you you know if you're a productive group member, then they your friends your friends and your you know um, your co students will support you if the wheels fall off and you know something happens in your family or with your friends and you need some time you've shown them that you're reliable so they'll help you out so it's just that really important reciprocal relationship to build up um and it's also just about being you know being um able to mix with different people because they're important skills to build for when you graduate um, and you're out in the workforce, you know, so you might have gone to a primary school or, or a secondary school where the kids were mostly like you and the people that, that you grew up around, whereas university is a, a lovely way to meet people outside of your yes. core socioeconomic group, um, different language backgrounds, different life experiences. It really broadens your horizons and that makes you more adaptable and more able to cope you know, with the world. So really embrace the difference is, is what I would say. Really embrace the diversity, learn from different people um, and make some friends, make make lots of friends because the thing about university is that often you've chosen the course you've chosen because you have a particular interest in something. So, so do the people you're studying with in a lot of cases. So, you know, um, they might end up being really, really important people to you. So if you put in the groundwork now, that you will really reap those positive benefits. Yes, yeah, I totally love that. And uh, I definitely think just building like, you know, professional and good quality relationships all around, um, obviously like in work life and new life and study life is just so like, I guess paramount to um, like your well-being in a way, um, like the student's well-being and as well for the um, like the other person that you're trying to connect with. Like you were saying, so you're not just a name or a number. You're actually Absolutely. You know, that person. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, I Absolutely. Love that. Yeah. Um, I think placements um is really an important aspect because most degrees 
I guess, require you to do placement before you're qualified, like, you know, in teaching and uh, counselling, psychology, um, even medicine, like the health, before you can kind of become a practising whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You've got to do that placement. So could you sort of talk to us a little bit about how to find a great placement um, and how early do you need to be looking for that? Sure. So obviously, you know, different universities and different courses will have their own protocols around mm-hmm. seeking placements. So of course, yeah. um, if you are, you know, somebody who needs to source your own placement, then, you know, the earlier, the better. Um, again, it's about building those relationships as you as a person, not just a name on an email, for example. So yeah. if you're able to, you know, introduce yourself in person, if somebody can spend, you know, two minutes with you, if you go up and introduce yourself, that really you know, bodes well for you, you know, shows that you've got that level of confidence and those people skills that are really important. Um, If you are somebody who's lucky enough to have, you know, a placements office or, you know, um, professional staff at your university who will place you, I suppose um, what you can do in that case is you are placed, but it's then on you to find out as much as you possibly can about the environment where you will undertake your placement. So it's about not just the functional things like, Mm. you know, what time you need to be there, where you will park, what sorts of, you know, dress code there is, what are the ways of working, they're all important. But also things around the philosophy of, um, you know, the place where you're going, whether there's a vision statement, what's important to the company. Um, So, you know, do as much research as you possibly can. Most places have, um, you know, websites now and, and are quite you know, visible in, in terms of, you know, whether it be social media platforms or you can find places on, you know, things like LinkedIn. So it's really a good look if you have a lot of information in your back pocket when you turn up to that placement. So that's something yeah. that I'd certainly recommend. Um, something else to remember about placement is it's an extended job interview. It really is. So the second you step onto that placement environment, even if it's not somewhere where you see yourself working or see, see yourself employed, mm. they will know someone because industries all interconnect and network with each other. So, um, you know, whilst, you know, you might turn up somewhere and, and have a really great placement, but there's not going to be a position for you at the end, so they will know someone who might be able to offer you a position. So if you've been... You know, if you've been professional, if you've been engaged, if you've, um, you know, been a real team player and shown that, you know, you were really there to learn mm. and, and get the most out of that experience, that bodes really well for you in terms of the industry at large, not just that, you know, that, that place where you found yourself. So just always be as active as you can. Understand that you're a guest on placement, but also understand what role you can play. So, you know, is there a way that you can offer support? Is there are there things that you're allowed to do within, you know, the jurisdiction of a student? So, find out what those things are and be really um, active. Be on the front foot, and you know, use your initiative. That's that's something else that I would say. And even if you're feeling, you know, nervous and a fish out of water, which of course, you know, that's really natural. Just try and, you know, um, take a deep breath and understand that, you know, those nerves are because your, you know, your body and your mind knows that that's an important experience. So be grateful for that and um, also, you know, just really put your best foot forward. Yeah, yeah. And um, I guess also 
do you reckon that those sort of like professional relationships with lecturers and um, professors at uni can also help you get contacts as well if you need to find a placement and they might know someone is that they sure can absolutely that happens a lot of the time and you know that goes back to my point about knowing who the student is in the Mm. first place so you know if I'm going and that actually happens a lot Mary that's a good point if I need to speak to somebody for example in a school you know a principal contact or a friend Mm. I need to be able to advocate for that person. So if you're somebody that's in one of my classes and I don't know who you are, you know, you're not particularly active, Mm. um, you know, or even worse than that, you're not somebody who, you know, engages or somebody who's particularly organised or has, you know, taken the time to build those relationships, then I won't recommend you. I'll recommend somebody else. So, you know, just just be aware um, of that reciprocal relationship. Mm, because yeah. my reputation's yeah. on the line in recommending you as well oh, yeah you know? definitely mm. yeah 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 and I think um yeah no that's so true I never really thought about that before because you kind of it actually all kind of comes down to who you know and who like that person who know you know knows like mm. the other people and like etc etc yeah um how do you reckon if um you know let's say a student didn't have um sort of that point of contact with like their professor the lecturer and they wanted to contact an organisation sort of separately, how would they go about that? Like just through an email or a calling up? Like how, not like necessarily the process, but I guess what's the first place to start for a good point Mm. of contact? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's a tricky question because Mm. whilst we want to be respectful of people's time, so sometimes cold calling, you know, might not get you anywhere. I always think it's nice to start with an email and just say, you know, if it was me, I'd say, my name's Bree, you know, I'm a, you know, second year student studying here. I need to, you know, um, organise a placement. I'm really interested. Say why you're interested. Don't just send a generic email that you're sending to 50 places. Yeah. Um, and say, you know, um, I'm wondering if I could, you know, schedule five minutes of your time for a conversation offer the mode so offer you know a phone conversation or to come in they may not want that email might be enough for them so it's just about making that initial contact um Mm. but also um yeah just making sure that you are um really kind of like proactive um, but proactive but also respectful you know that it's that it's about that person's time and that they'd be doing you a favor when you if you do take up a placement there for sure. And I love in terms of dress code, I think Pinterest is always a safe bet if you're never quite sure. Um, mm-hmm. I know, I guess, like in uh, like a teaching environment, it's always nice just to go like a neat casual. But um, do you reckon dress code is always something you should talk about with the placement provider? I think so. And I think that that shows that you're just on the front foot. So you could just, you know, it doesn't have to be an awkward conversation. It could just, you know, be something like, are there protocols, you know, around the way you like your employees to dress? Because often it's about safety. It's not just about the way you look. Often there are other reasons for it. And, And don't assume. So, you know, I, you know, working in lots of schools, there are schools who are really comfortable with denim, you know, as you, as you said, jeans, mm-hmm. other schools, it's a hard no. And if you turned up in jeans, that would, you know, that would be showing that, that you really haven't done your homework and that doesn't yeah. look good. So it's always worth asking the question um, and just observe when you get there on the first day, what sorts of, um, you know, what sorts of things people are wearing and how people are behaving. And that does, doesn't just go for, you um, things like 
dress. It's also how, you know, people speak, how they address each other, you know, what time they're getting to work, what time they're going home, um, you know, what sorts of, you know, things happen in, in the staff room, for example. Do they spend the whole time there? Do they spend part of the time there? So, you know, sort of find a few mentors Mm. and sort of try and emanate emanate the way sorry emulate the way they Mm. they operate I find it also yeah yeah no I really love that Brie I think um something else I found interesting um sort of working in sort of a professional environment at a higher education institute I found that the um sort of conversations as well um are really important that you need to make sure that when you are you know on placement you're not talking about you know your personal life and mm. it has to be quite generic mm. um well, it doesn't have to be but it it's good to keep it sort of in a professional sort of conversation um because you know you're not uh necessarily friends you're more like acquaintances and colleagues with those people mm. um and I think especially like online communication and in-person communication um I feel as though it should be quite um you know professional and you shouldn't be sending them you know things like xx or love hearts and Mm. um things like that because you don't want to overstep your boundary even if you know you're related to someone in the workplace or they actually are your friend outside I feel as though contact and communication is really um yeah important to keep professional Mm, I think that's really great advice it's about that tone isn't it so Mm, um we you know I've I've seen unfortunately a few students who have been a little bit too casual and that hasn't been you know received particularly well um and 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 to but to those students credit they've come back and said but that's how the other people at the workplace address Mm. each other and we've had to have that conversation about yes but you're not employed at that workplace you haven't built up the relationships you don't have the runs on the board I suppose so you need to always err on the side of caution and be the most professional version of yourself and you're exactly right in 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 online communication, digital communication, as well as as in person. And that goes for things like respecting people's work hours, mm. you know, not, um, you know, sending emails overnight, for example, um, you know, and not expecting a response out of hours, maybe yes. not using text messages, even if you have that person's mobile, unless that's what they've asked you to do. Mm. That's another, you know, important point as well. Yeah, no, for sure. I love that. Um, and just moving on to time management, we did do an episode on our channel um, with Kate Christie. Um, but would you like to briefly discuss, I guess, your personal method for time management or your like favorite method um, and how sure. you, yeah, like batch tasks and stuff? Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm a big Kate Christie fan girl. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know how much value I can add to what she's already talked about, but certainly for myself, um, I'm you know, almost finished um, writing a, a doctorate, you know, a doctor of education. So I've got, you know, a oh, significant wow. body of writing, you know, on top of my, mm. um, on top of my work. Um, and also, you know, I've, I've got two little girls at home. So um, time management for me is, I'm a big fan of the Pomodoro method. So that's, you know, 25 minutes at a time and then a five minute break. Yeah. Um, I use the Forest app for that so I'm sure you've heard of it Mary and lots of Definitely. you know your counterparts have but <laughs> just for your listeners it's it's an app called Forest where you start the app and 
you're not allowed to touch your phone for 25 minutes or else the tree in the forest dies. <laughs> so yeah. by the end of the day, you've got this really lush, bushy forest or you've got some dead trees in there. And it's kind of, it's just interesting how, you know, some people um, find that the most ridiculous notion and killing a digital tree would make no difference to them what, whatsoever. But for me, it, it seems to work. Um, And also I know that if I just focus for that 25 minutes, I know that my brain can cope with that and that there's a, there's a break coming. And it also makes me take that break just for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a a break for me is literally just getting up and it might be hanging out some washing or it might be, you know, um, unpacking the dishwasher raw, you know, it's not, it's not that I'm, you know, going to lie in the bed or have an actual break it's just time away from the computer and then at that half an hour break so after I've done four 25 minute cycles that's when I make sure I take an actual break and I Mm. don't take that break anywhere near a screen so I don't use my phone I don't go on social media I don't Mm. listen to anything I walk away from my desk Um, and if I can get a walk in in that half an hour even if it's just around the block bonus points if I can get near something green I'm lucky in my area to live near a lovely creek so if I can get down there even just have you know some time in nature that has a huge impact by the time I get back um, Mm. to my productivity so um, another you know time management is that most important tasks each evening so you know what are my three absolute most important tasks for the next day Um, and I really try and stick at one task until it's finished and when I say one task I need to make sure that's an achievable task so it's not about something that you know I'm not going to be able to write a whole chapter of my thesis but I will be able to write one article or sorry write one you know um, paragraph on a body of literature or I might be able to read one research article you know and make notes on it for example so Mm. it's about I think it's the um, Laura May Martin, who's the productivity coach at Google, actually. Her analogy is to treat any tasks like your clothes dryer. So your clothes dryer at home, when the dryer's finished, you don't go and put one sock away and then go and do something else and then do something else and come back and maybe put a T-shirt away. You do it all at once and then yeah. you know that task is done. So I try and use that same analogy. I try and stick on one thing. Because the impact of switching tasks, it's called the switch cost effect, is just too great for me when I am doing something. If I've got my email open and it pings and then I get distracted answering an email or even reading that email, even if I don't action it, all of a sudden it takes me too long to get back onto the task that I'm doing. So I try and be really kind to myself that I have three most important tasks that must be done and that I stick on one thing at a time with minimal distraction so that means my phone's right away from me if I'm not using forest then it's in the other room my email's not on I'm using a full screen on my computer so I don't have any other distractions any other apps coming up so that's something else um, I do I probably am really mindful of my chronotype so a lot of people are like me in that they're fresher in the morning so mm-hmm. it's about batching the most cognitively demanding tasks for early in the morning when my energy is good. So that's where I do my thinking work. And then in the afternoon when I'm getting tired, that's when I might do things like editing or I might answer my emails or I might do interviews like this, for example. So it's mm. it's sort of that the, the stuff that's not as cognitively demanding. 
And you get, you know, the more you think about that, the better you get at planning, you know, the most um, cognitively demanding tasks when your body's fresh and then and then being able to, you know, work on the on the less so tasks. And it might even be a treat for you to put something, you know, on the TV and, you know, just work through your inbox or, or just mm. do some things that don't take so much of your energy, your mental energy yeah. later on in the day. Um, yeah. How do you keep if, um how do you sort of keep track of things that you need to do though, Brie? Like do you use like to-do lists or Yeah, I, I do use to-do lists. I've also mm. got um so I've always just got a really long to-do list and then from that long weekly to-do list I'm taking my three tasks a day. Mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. I've got what I call pocket tasks. So these are things that I've got written down that I could just pull out of my pocket and action if I get a chance. So they're okay. things like if um, I'm invited to a meeting and somebody's late and I find myself waiting, that's I could pull out a pocket task. So it would just be something really quick. Um, if I'm waiting for an appointment, for example, you know, I'm, I'm at the doctor's or I'm at the dentist and I've got my computer or I've got my phone to make some notes, I know I've got a five-minute window there to, mm. you know, knock over one of those pocket tasks. And I'm just a really big fan of the brain dump in general. So yeah. it's not only work and study tasks I write down, it's all the tasks, you know, Mm. so do I have to buy somebody a birthday present? You know, do I have to reply to, you know, an RSVP for a party? Do I have to, you know, organise, you know, a family function? Do I need to, you know, enrol my, you know, my daughter in basketball for next season? Whatever it Mm. is, Mm. put it down because when it's down there, as small as it is, I cross it off and it's just I feel like I'm, you know, I've I've got a better chance of, of getting across it and not becoming overwhelmed so yeah, I'm a I'm a big list maker. I just I use pen and paper. I just have a big A4 um, landscape um, diary sitting oh, yeah. on my desk, and I'm literally just crossing things off. So yeah. um, you know, I know a lot of people use um, you know software like Motion, where you know once they do something, it grows out, it grays out in their calendar, and, mm-hmm. and that you know makes a lot of sense too. But for me, um, yeah, pen and paper suits. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think hard copy um, to-do lists as well. I think the best thing, lots of planners nowadays actually incorporate like little to-do lists on the side Mm. that you can sort of like fill out for the week or the month or whatever. What Mm. do you think of digital to-do lists though? Is it, do you think it's worth value or it's kind of each their own sort of thing? I I think, I think absolutely it's each to their own. Mm. I think like anything, like my example with Forrest, the app before that works really well for somebody like me. Whereas my husband kind of teases me about why I'd be worried about, you know, a digital tree on a screen dying, mm. but for some reason. So it's just about what find what finding what works for you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I know if you go into places like Kiki K and Kmart and whatever, you know, you can get a really a nice buzz from some lovely stationery, um, yes. you know, so that might, <laughs> that might help keep you on task and productive and might make your desk look, look lovely. So that's a bonus. Whereas yeah. other people are just happy with their laptop and that's all they want. So, you know, if you can, if you can find, you know, great to do list software and, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, you know, making voice memos, which then go into my calendar and those sorts oh, of yeah. things. Um, you know, anything that, that works for you and, and reduces, you know, that load on your brain um, mm. is going to be a win for you. I love that. Yeah. And of course, I guess looking um, at, you know, studies from a health perspective, it's so easy to get caught up in studying and we can lose track of, you know, maintaining our physical and mental health, like you said, 
Um, mm. You know, those things that are so cognitive demanding, cognitively demanding um, mm. that they really just drain us. So mm. what sort of things do you do, you know, being a mum of two? Um, do you sort of make sure to, like, maintain your health and maintain that balance? Sure. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I... I'm a big fan of exercising in the morning. I nice. just find for myself, you know, that idea of winning the morning and then you win the day. So if mm. I start off, you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to get out of the house at six in the morning and do a workout. By the time I get home at 6.45, my energy's high. You know, I've, I've, I've sort of got those feel-good hormones pumping and yeah. all of a sudden that task is done. So I sort of feel confident about, you know, attacking the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Mm. And it also helps that, you know, getting to late in the afternoon when I'm starting to tire a little bit, I know that I've done that one good thing for my body and I don't have to then fit something else in at yes, the end of yeah. the day. So that's that's a real, a real positive um, for somebody like me. Um, I try and eat, you know, as clean as possible, you mm. know, 80% of the time as, as best as you can. I'm sure, you know, you would agree and your listeners would agree that when you are eating as clean as possible, it does make an energy, oh, sorry, it does make Definitely. a difference to your energy um, and to your vitality. And yes. something else is water. You know, um, all of my students are much, much better than me at having their water bottle near them and just being hydrated or being dehydrated has a huge impact on my mm. cognitive um, abilities. So it's amazing just... You know, when I've not had enough water, just how foggy and tired I yeah. feel. So, you know, it's a really, really simple um, thing to do. Just have your water bottle with you all the time, you know, mm -hmm. in your vision so that so that you're um, staying hydrated. Yeah. Um, sleep is, you know, obviously these are all really obvious things, but it's just about scheduling in and making it a priority for yourself. You know, if you mm -hmm. value good rest then, you know, if you have the odd late night, that's fine. Um, if you are consistently resting, though, your body will, you know, will thank you for that. And yeah. the other thing is, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a really big, you know, great night out with your friends, just understand that you'll probably need some recovery time the next day or the next couple of days. So don't be too hard on yourself, you know, try and keep mm. those sort of quieter periods if you've got you know, a really great event on a Friday or a Saturday night, understand that the next day you'll be a bit slow and that's fine, but give your body the rest it needs, rehydrate, and then, you know, the day after you'll be, you know, you'll feel back to your best rather than, oh, my goodness, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Um, I think, you know, just be just be really kind of mindful about what it is that your body needs and listen yeah. to your body. And the last thing is I'm not great at it, but when I'm in a good habit of, of meditation, my stress levels are you know much more manageable so mm. you know that's that's a do as I say not as I do but you know I just notice if I do make even that five minutes even if it's just some really you know deep diaphragmatic breathing mm. um, I find you know I'm able to just cope with with whatever comes up throughout the day um, a little bit more readily. Yeah for sure and I think um, especially with your last point Brie meditation um, is so good to help kind of like you said reduce stress levels and to avoid burnout I feel like as mm. well um you know you how you're talking about like rest and you know after a big night out and don't push yourself too hard all of that I think in the end really just reduces that chance of yeah that massive big crash that burnout that you get mm. um 
And I definitely know that I, I personally experienced that when I was in year 12, I pushed so hard and then mm. I kind of got to uni and I just kept pushing and then I just crashed. Right. Um, Cause you know, you just, I never had that point that I stopped and went, you know, look how far I've come, you know, I can take a break now, mm. you know, just like trying to push through exams, etc. Mm. Um, but I definitely, I know that meditation was just not in my life at that point. Because mm. I was thinking, like, oh, I don't have five minutes just to sit there and breathe. Like, I do that when I'm, like, falling asleep and, you know, all yeah. of that stuff. Um, and I kind of just made all those, like, excuses. Mm. So I think it's definitely something I'm trying to, like, really incorporate into my life now. Mm, um, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, because it's so it's so helpful. Um, and you don't actually realise how much more at peace you feel after you kind of just sit there for, like, literally 60 seconds just making sure every part of your body is relaxed and you just lay Mm. on the ground in the sunshine or in your bedroom Mm. or wherever. Mm. Um, Yeah, I found it's really helpful. So I would highly, highly recommend. Yeah, Mm. couldn't agree more. You've inspired me again. I'll I'll get back (laughs) onto it tonight. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Just before we finish up, do you have any um, other like closing comments or anything you want to share with us today? Sure. So a couple of things, I suppose, just around, you know, related to what we were just talking about, I would Mm. really advocate asking for help as soon as the wheels fall off. So, you know, we just have too many students where things snowball and there's almost a sense of denial. So, you Mm. know, putting your head in the sand, thinking things will get better. And then what happens is, as you would understand, the problem compounds. So, you know, some the wheels fall off, you know, you're struggling, you know, maybe with your mental health or there's something going on in your life. Then that then affects the next deadline, the next deadline, the next deadline. Yeah. And then dominoes. by the time dominoes. So by the time you do feel strong enough to reach out for help, so much damage has happened that didn't that didn't need to occur if you were just brave enough to say, I think I need some support you know, reach out, ask for an extension, whatever it is that you need, take some time away, think about what it is that your body needs, you know, maybe you need some help from your GP, whatever it is, but do it as soon as you notice that things are feeling a bit shaky and try not to let that, you know, that snowball domino compound because, you know, problems are a lot easier to fix in their initial stages than than when they get you know, further down the track. So I think that's something, you know, really, and again, it comes back to that relationships. If one of my students is struggling and I know them and they come up to me and they can look me in the eye and say, Brie, I'm having trouble with this, then I've got a real sense of empathy. I can see the person there. I know exactly who to reach out to to support that person rather than that person just going completely missing. Mm. And then we're all, all of the lecturers are saying, has anyone seen this person? And it becomes this, kind of big Mm -hmm. panic because the problem just became too big and overwhelmed you know the students so definitely even though it might feel uncomfortable sing out you know Mm -hmm. um, as as soon as as soon as things feel a little bit shaky Um, related to that something or anything doesn't mean everything so Mm -hmm. one bad day or one bad mark or one failed exam or one failed assignment doesn't mean everything it doesn't mean you are a failure so it is something that happened but it is not your identity and is not going to be you know the forever story that you have so just try and you know when you have a disappointment acknowledge it you know acknowledge this doesn't feel good you know 
Um, maybe if there's a lesson in there, maybe you could learn why it happened and then try your best to pick yourself up and keep going because, you know, just try not have this sweeping mentality of, oh, everything's a disaster because I just like to say every, anything doesn't mean everything. Something doesn't mean everything. So, yeah, wow. and, and something similar I say to my students, I, I heard it, I've heard it from a few different people and I find it really helpful is that don't let perfect be the enemy of good. So don't, you know, expect an essay you're writing, for example, to be absolutely 100% perfect if it's already good. Because if you make that perfect and then you don't have time to get onto the other three things you need to do, well, then that's not a great use of of your time and your energy. So Mm. don't, you know, let, don't make everything perfect so that it can't be good. I think, you know, that and that we can apply that to, you know, to lots of, you know, areas of our life. Um, And then the other thing is when you're feeling overwhelmed about anything, my advice is just start. Mm. So if you need to write an essay, just write one sentence. And even if that sentence is, I really don't know what to write today, I'm struggling with this essay, it's funny. It's like your fingers will just start putting things down. And even if it's garbage it's something because then you've got something to go back and edit so I would just always say just start just start you know I heard it once you know I'm I'm writing you know 60,000 words at the moment so Mm. you know it's a it's a substantial word count I like the nifty 350 if I can get to 350 words then I'm in the groove and anybody can write 350 words you know it's a quarter of a page if that so you know I would just really when you're stressed, when you're overwhelmed, just do something, just start. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how you'll be able to trick your brain and your body into, into keep going. And if you don't, that's fine. You've done something. Yeah. So that's just kind of a little tip that I wish somebody had told me, you know, back when I was, you know, an undergraduate or even when I was in my late secondary years, when you just feel like, oh my God, I don't have time to do all of these things. I'm feeling so overwhelmed. Just pick something and do one thing. Mm, and I love that nifty 350 that's like that's super inspiring I have to try that (laughs) yeah I know I love um yeah it's um it's cool what I love to do as well is um I sort of just take the topic that I want to focus on let's just say for example it's like world war ii and then I'll just kind of it's almost like a mind map but on the word document and I'll kind of go oh so world war ii is related to this 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 and this and this and then i'll kind of go oh and then that's related to this and then i start writing like little sentences about everything mm-hmm. i want to talk about and mm-hmm. then i sort of have like 14 paragraphs and then i kind of have to reduce them and cut them down but it's um kind of like a half of a nifty 350 in a way um but it's broken up into all these topic sentences and concluding sentences um Cert- certainly the same philosophy mary because the thing about those 14 sentences is that you'll be then be able to find links between them. So, yes. you know, then you'll be able to say, oh, actually, I don't think that's as relevant. So I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to flesh this out a bit more. Mm. It's amazing. Your brain actually catches onto the momentum and something on a page is better than nothing on a page. And you just be really surprised how your motivation will almost trick itself into continuing. Yeah, no, that's so, so true. Couldn't agree more. Oh, yay. Well, thank you, Brie, for joining us today on the podcast. I think we had some good chats. Yeah, definitely You're lots welcome. of tips. No, thank you. That was awesome. We'll have to have you back on the show again and let us know how your thesis goes. Hopefully all is well. <laughs> yes. 
Oh my goodness, yes. I'd love to come back one day, Mary. So thank you so much for having me. You're most welcome. Take care. Thank you. Well, guys, I thought that was an amazing episode. I definitely got a lot out of it and I hope you did as well. If you are interested in learning more about education, whether you're in secondary or tertiary education, definitely check out our Instagram at allthingseducation21. We've got a lot of helpful advice on there. We also give like little sneak peeks into the upcoming episodes. And remember, guys, that all the advice that we give on this channel and on our socials is general information only. So if you want any advice that is specific to your circumstance, make sure you speak to someone at your school or family or friends because they really know you best and they know how to help you and what's the right pathway for you all right guys thanks so much for tuning in don't forget to check out our instagram and stay tuned for our next episode stay educated